Welcome to Healing Wisdom, a Thursday morning talk show featuring guests sharing their stories and knowledge. We discuss the healing aspects of the arts, metaphysics, social justice, and adventure through all types of terrain. So join me, Pandora Peoples, here on WOMR 92.1 FM in Provincetown and WFMR 91.3 FM in Orleans. We're streaming worldwide at WOMR.org. Our theme music is provided by Mazin. You can find her website at mazinmusic.com. That's M-A-E-S-Y-N. Hello, 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 Cape Cod and beyond. My guest today is Tara Vargas Wallace. She is the founder and CEO of the nonprofit organization Amplify POC Cape Cod. And today we are discussing the experiences, challenges, and infrastructure for people of color in Cape Cod and um, the racial wealth gap. Thank you so much, Tara, for joining us. (laughs) Thank you, Pandora. It's nice to be here. It's great to have you here. So what is Amplify POC Cape Cod and what inspired you to found it? Amplify POC is is a racial justice nonprofit organization that was founded, honestly, because of the murder of George Floyd. Shortly after George Floyd was murdered, a lot of, you know, community members had reached out to me looking for ways to support the black and brown communities. And, you know, one thing that stuck was patronaging and supporting businesses of color. And so sat at my kitchen table and uh, just created a directory of businesses that I knew, local businesses owned by people of color, and then did a shout out on social media, asking people, you know, to add to this list if they knew of any people that should be on this list, and then raised some funds, got together a great group of advocates in the community, all people, all women who are just working really hard in the community and fighting towards social justice and you know, we raised some funds and were able to get this list in an online directory. So we were able to put it on a website so that it was easily accessible to anyone who wanted to patronize these businesses. They could just look up, look it up on the website. And then it grew from there. I started to do a lot of research on the racial wealth gap. And I learned how white families are 10 times wealthier than black families and eight times wealthier than Latino families. And those numbers have changed somewhat over the last couple of years. And depending on, you know, what study you read, those numbers do fluctuate. But the bottom line is there's a large racial wealth gap and it's affected everything. It's interconnected with everything from redlining to gentrification to loan discrimination. I mean, all of these harmful policies that were put in place many, many years ago that have had a detrimental impact on communities of color, being able to create ownership and build ownership and, and leave a legacy of wealth, right? I mean, we can't even talk about leaving a legacy of wealth. We're not even at that point where we can, you know, say that we're we're doing for ourselves yet. I mean, you know, and of course, not everyone is monolithic. There are plenty of wealthy black and brown folks, but statistically, historically, systematically, there are a lot uh, a lot of disparities in, in terms of ownership and wealth in the communities of color. And so that is what Amplify has focused on. So we now have grown into an organization. You know, we went from this small initiative, uh, you know, to um, an actual organization where our goal and our mission is to eradicate 
the racial wealth gap. And we plan on doing that in a number of different ways, you know, whether it's educational opportunities for communities of color with economic literacy or wealth building, investing, home ownership, you know, supporting the, the POC community, people of color in various ways towards ownership, whether that's a home, a business, land, or other assets, and really collaborating with a lot of the other organizations, wonderful nonprofit organizations on the Cape who are doing some of this work already. For instance, Housing Assistance Corporation, you know, Leadership Cape Cod, really building and fostering these, these relationships that I have with these wonderful organizations so that we can work together towards eliminating this wealth, racial wealth gap and increasing um, economic power and sustainability and ownership for communities of color on Cape Cod. I would like you to give us a little bit of a history lesson on redlining and loans and just if, if you want to just expound on that. You know, back in the 50s and 60s, when the government was handing out loans for homeowners and handing out VA loans, there was a lot of barriers put in place so that Black and brown folks were not getting access to these loans. And even still today, that's still going on. There's a lot of different barriers and that people are not connecting the key, you know, connecting the dots on that are keeping a lot of Black and brown families and people from obtaining a loan to either purchase a home or or get capital seed money for a business to start up a business. The redlining was back in the 60s when they would block off and redline off certain communities, the poor communities, so that when people from those communities were to try to leave and go into the green area, which was the, you know, the prosperous, wealthy area, they were often redlined. And it was it mostly folks of color. Poor, poor people in general, but mostly it affected disproportionately in a humongous, gigantic way, black and brown folks. And so that redlining prevented us from being able to move up and out. And it's still happening today. You still see it even on Cape Cod, like we're dealing with all these NIMBYs and housing insecurity is such a huge thing. It just, it all interconnects and, and really has a lot to do with each other. So many of these social justice issues are connected and are affected by each other. So you've been working for 20 years in human services with numerous agencies, including Independence House, Homeless Prevention Council, and Department of Transitional Assistance. So we've really reached a critical mass when it comes to housing and food insecurity in Cape Cod, haven't we? Oh, yeah. It's definitely like time to act you know, the housing situation is dire. And I know people say all the time, oh, we've always had a housing crisis because it does seem like we've always had a housing crisis. But COVID exasperated that to like the 10th, to like the 100th degree. I mean, it now is the time. It's fight or flight right now. I mean, not flight. We, we need we need fight. <laughs> no flighting. <laughs> yes, we need people showing up at town meetings and, and, and showing up at the commission meetings and really advocating for housing and telling their stories. Tell your personal stories. There are so many of us who are dealing with housing insecurity. I myself, my, my home, my rental of 11 years, my home has been, you know, this is the home where I raised my children and they're all in their twenties now. And this is our home and it's being sold. So even, you know, people like me and everybody's going through this. It's like, you know, trying to find a rental in today's market is absolutely insane and something that you can afford at that. Every every phone number, every rental I call, every place I see, it's, it's you know, there's like 
50 of us applying for that one rental or more. And I usually never get a phone call back because their voicemails are just full of people looking for rentals. So they're probably overwhelmed. Yeah, it's a dire, dire situation. And the food insecurity as well. The cost, the inflation is is like insane. Like the cost of food is ridiculous. Oh, and, and then because of the summer visitors and all the second homeowners, all the prices get hiked up at, at, at summer. So you might notice that st- at Stop and Shop, everything's $2 more. Ridiculous, yeah. Starting now, so. Exactly. I mean, and, and, and you know, to speak on another section of the food insecurity, drama, you know, look at, look at Infamil, like babies are going hungry in America because we can't supply enough formula, baby formula. We're, and it's we're, not supposed a, to, we're supposedly down 40%, but yeah. I just read this story about this woman who went from Atlanta, Georgia. I think it was, it was somewhere in Georgia. I think it was Atlanta. And she went all the way up through Massachusetts, her and her mother, she's 20 years old and they couldn't find any baby food, but maybe it might have been specific because her child has some lactose issues and there's an amino acid that she needs in the baby milk, but it's happening everywhere where women are really struggling. It doesn't even just depend on whether your baby has a specific diet or not. Like there's a lot of people going, there's a lot of people looking for for formula for their babies. And some of them, you know, they all have different needs and it takes an enormous amount of milk to produce to feed a baby. Sometimes your body can't do that, you know? So really just, it's, it's ridiculous. The expectations that are put on these mothers and I, my heart goes out to them. I feel so bad. You know, I just can't even imagine that terror, not of not being able to feed your child adequately anyway. During the pandemic, I think about that, the excess that people have, because I know a lot of people because of the remote work, they wanted to move to Cape Cod. So that happened. And then it started high prices of housing and then the the lack of housing. I heard of one um, person who bought up 10 houses, most in Orleans, I think some on the outer Cape and they're renting them all out like Airbnb style. And which hurts our housing market. Tell me, are there people trying to put things in place so that people who turn houses and real estate brokers and agents and all this can't just keep, because it would be nice if families that are year rounders are preferred, you know, that there's some suffering oh and help for, for, for folks, because do we want a year round community here? Yeah. So housing assistance (laughs) corporation, there are plenty of efforts put in place here. There's a lot of great things happening, a lot of innovative out of the box thinking and um, housing assistance corporation, um, you know, the largest um, housing agency in the region, um, they have created sort of a coalition um, and you can go to their website and find out, you know, more about this, but um, where they're um, not only are they uh, expanding their ADU program to help homeowners build an additional rental unit on their property um, to provide more housing stock, which is amazing. Um, they've expanded, they're expanding that program. They are, um, they are also doing like educational housing workshops so that people can get educated on the housing issues and, and go out to town meeting and have an informed advocate at, at an informed level of what's going on in case they're someone who's happens to not have housing insecurity, but want to still support the efforts that are being, you know, that are taking place locally uh, on our, on a, on a local level to advocate for more housing. And there's a lot of other different initiatives going on. And I think the best place to start is by going to 
housing assistance corporations website. I'm sorry, I don't know it by heart, but I'm sure if you just Google hack, it'll pop up and you can find out a lot of, you know, great ways to get involved and really like have your voice heard. And if there's anybody watching who is dealing with housing security, you're the people that we need. We need you to really voice your stories and and really talk about the struggles you're going through so that the town council can hear what the reality is. And I understand that, you know, it's hard to make town meetings. It's hard to be consistent with those things. I totally get it. It's exhausting for me as well. And, you know, I'm at, unfortunately, I'm at a place where my children are grown, so I don't have to worry about, you know, the six o'clock dinner time and homework and baths and all that, that happens at, at that time of night. But, you know, if you're able to, you can even write in if you can't make the meeting and the meetings are on Zoom. So most of them anyway. So it's really easy to just, you know, go in, state your piece and be out. It's not like it used to be where you would be sitting at town hall for hours on end all night long. That used to suck, but that's no longer the case. So it's a little easier to participate if you're, if you have access to the internet. And for those who don't, you know, continue to reach out to your housing advocates and continue to just let, let us all know, you know, what you're going through. I would love for you to speak matching this weekend at the Topps grocery store in Buffalo in a predominantly black neighborhood. It's yet another example of an armed white mass shooter being peacefully arrested, which contrasts to the murders of unarmed, innocent black men and women in this country. So what are your thoughts on as you begin this new week? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's sombering. I've had a really, you know, I've been redoing a lot of reading and really trying to, I'm sorry, I don't mean to get emotional, but this is just, it's just, it's continuous. And um, it's like, really, um, I, I don't, I don't even have words. And, and I've been trying to come up with um, a statement for, to put out for Amplify on this. And I'm really just, like I said, it's hard to find words on, on what's going on and what is still going on and, you know, why we're still fighting this. You know, why, why are, why is white supremacy still being supported? You know, why, why can't people be held accountable for their actions? And why, when are, when are these gun laws going to change, you know, so that people aren't being gunned down so that black and brown people aren't being gunned down. It's just completely, it, it's sombering and it's, it's a tragedy, a continuous tragedy that continues to keep happening. And um, I really don't, like I said, I'm still trying to form words around it because it's difficult. It's difficult. In the case with this 18-year-old white supremacist, he was posting online and he'd gotten in trouble at school a year prior. I mean, the, the red flags yeah. were all over and the way that the Rittenhouse was treated... Yep. I mean, it, it's, it's just, continuous. The January 6th through armed insurrection. I mean, there were some people yeah. who had weapons, you know, mm-hmm. and Marjorie Taylor Greene perjuring herself and saying, no, no, yeah. she didn't contribute at all to it when there's just ample evidence of her making addresses to people on social media. I think about all the different protests and all the different reactions to people of color, you know. Really recently, you know, we have the pipeline protests and, and water protectors getting all kinds of rubber bullets and water cannons, you know, dogs, you know, ripping apart their flesh. And then you have all of these white protesters just being violent and, and storming the Capitol. And getting away with it and, and getting, getting away with it. And, you know? and really like, oh, this, 
the investigation into it, like what, what is happening with that? How many people were, were penalized for this? And and mind you, there were six shootings that day, the day of the Buffalo shooting. You're only hearing about the Buffalo shooting and that right there. I mean, it's like, why aren't all these other shootings getting pressed? Well, we know why we know why, you know, because people aren't being held accountable. And, and, and this is what continues to happen to the black and brown community for years, for, for way too goddamn long. And it needs to stop. And, you know, people really need to show up and show out and start, you know, making sure we're voting in the right people so that these policies are put to like, just put, put in the dirt. Like we need to just redo all these policies and make sure that black and brown folks are protected and um, racial equity really needs to be at the center of of everything that's going on. And I don't think that that's, you know, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon, but I think more and more folks are paying attention to it. And that's a good thing. So the more voices, the more allies we can get to back us all up to, you know, to put down these gun laws. Like, I mean, it's just, we're just going to continue being hunted and it's despicable. I think that there's still not enough white people who can really just really see the big picture of how these things affect generations, all this generational trauma and all of the experiences, the the targeting, like you're saying, the hunting Mm -hmm. down, the bands off our bodies as, as a woman, you know, I know that it is a, an issue that is near and dear to your heart. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I couldn't make the rally this past weekend, um, but I certainly wrote to all of my legislators. I think, you know, it's, you know, as an individual person, not speaking for any entity that I am a part of, not speaking for Amplify or any organization that I belong to, but my own uh, opinion uh, is, you know, I support, I support it. and, And we need to, we need to really start taking action, you know, and whether that is like collectively getting together. And I mean, there's powers and numbers and you, we, we see that from the protests, but also we need to move forward from that protest and do more. It's not just about protesting. We really have to make sure that we're being voiced to our legislators and making sure that we're being heard. So, you know, writing, calling your legislators, making sure that you're showing up to places where they're going to be. You know, sometimes you have, a, a local rep at, at, a, at your town library for the day or, you know, finding out where your legislators are and making sure that you're not just writing a letter, that you're not just calling, but that you're showing up and you're having a personal conversation with them about what it means, what Roe versus Wade means to you and why you support it or why you don't. But either way, we need to show up and show out. And it really needs to be, uh, I mean, this, this issue affects so many more other decisions that people don't even realize. And I think because it's so mon- monumental in, in how far it reaches, you know, it's it, it's really scary. It's scary. Like if this thing doesn't work out, it's scary. I, I can't even imagine like the impact it's going to have. It's going to be so terrifying. I'm wondering if you could speak to the kinds of education that we should be having in our schools and what you feel might be issues specific to Cape Cod. First of all, I think any education that is done in the schools for the BIPOC community needs to be by BIPOC teachers, educators. We need BIPOC educators teaching this stuff because you're not going to get the buy-in 
or, you know, the attention that you need from BIPOC students if, if, if they're not seeing themselves, you know, in this education. And I think things like economic literacy need to be taught in school about credit, you know, how, what your credit is, what it means, how to make sure you, you know, don't get it in disrepair and, 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 you know, what it's all about and, you know, how to obtain credit, all that's, all this stuff is so important. I know that certain, uh, there are some banks that go in, I believe Cape Cod five, um, who go into the schools and they have like a day once a year, maybe even twice a year where they have these, some sort of, uh, economic literacy slash credit program. I don't remember what it's called, but they do go into the school and they collaboratively work with the school. I'm not sure if they do this with every school, but I do know that they do it in Barnstable um, High School and they do have that, that resource, but it needs to be more of like added into the curriculum. It needs to be something that is embedded in their daily educational activities. You know, this is something that, you know, workbooks and stuff like that, where they can really be in, immersed in financial literacy and credit. You know, I think that's so crucial. And also Black history. Black history needs to be, and I know Barnstable has been doing really good with this. Again, I can't speak for all the other schools on the Cape, but I know that Barnstable, you know, thanks to Christy Williams, really has been instrumental in making sure that Black history is being taught in, in high school. And I just think that that's, that needs to be in every school. Every school needs to follow suit on that. Representation matters. If you can't see it, you can't be it. I mean, for the most part, you know, representation absolutely matters. Yeah. It's so key. And that's something we really work a lot in, you know, towards in, in Amplify. We do a a nonprofit board leadership training because we feel that, you know, all of these wonderful nonprofits that are doing wonderful work, they're all making big, heavy decisions on programming and funding that directly and disproportionately impacts communities of color. So even, you know, making sure that representation and educating our communities about the roles and responsibilities of a board member so that they can be at these tables and and take advantage of these opportunities and being decision makers. That's like a big passion of mine is making sure that people are represented, especially where decision making is concerned. And speaking of decision-making, when, when a person grows up with parents who are trying to make the decision between which bill do we pay and how do we facilitate this child on such a limited income, it's going to affect their financial future. It's going to have some impact, at least, on their stress levels and how they perform in school, how they grow up having having an understanding of different financial choices that you make and just understanding get getting a broader picture i think can help this is why it's so important for people to tell their stories right it's so important for people to hear i mean you know i grew up i'm from the bronx and my mom was for the most part a single mother she's she's been married a couple times but when we were on our own i mean we didn't have electricity sometimes we would be doing homework by candlelight i remember one time i dumped out my penny penny bank my piggy bank it was more like a jar and i had purchased 11 dollars shoes for my brother cuz he his his feet were talking i mean it was like his shoes were just and my mom you know, she had a lot of issues and, you know, I don't want to say anything bad about my mom, but she, you know, she battled addiction and she's fully recovered now, but, um, and she's a wonderful grandma. She's a much better grandmother than she ever was a mom, but that's only because she was dealing with her own struggles. And that now I'm able to understand that as a, as a woman, as a mom myself, I'm able to really, you know, put that, 
let a lot of that go. I had a lot of resentment, but, you know, having those, I remember like stealing food at the grocery store, you know, having those, speaking of food insecurity, having those struggles and, and telling your story. And then as a, as an adult, you know, um, not even, you know, I was a young mom, I was 17. So I had my daughter, she was two years old and we were, we were, homeless and we came to the cave and my grandmother was here so we felt safe being here with her and then three months later she passed away and we were homeless in my car driving around and it was housing assistance corporation that really helped get me into a shelter and eventually helped get me housed and you know that was so many years ago but it's it had an impact on me it made me realize I want to help people the way that people helped me and it was like a domino effect and I want to be you know, I want to be that domino. I want to be the one that stands up and says the difficult things and hopefully others will follow suit and it'll, it'll just be a domino effect and we'll be heard one day. (laughs) That's the goal. That's the goal. And, And, you know, it's, it's just really important to tell your story. So if you're listening and you're out there, tell your story, we need to hear it. You want to reach out to more businesses, right? Specifically. Yes. Absolutely. So one of the things that we do, we, well, we do a lot of different things, but so we amplify and support businesses of color. So if you are a a, a person of color and you own a business on anywhere on the Cape, but we, we seem to be lacking a lot of awareness on the lower outer Cape and a little bit on the upper Cape, but no matter where you live on the Cape, if you're, if you own a business and you're a person of color, Get get uh, go to our website amplifiedpocapecod.com and sign up to get into our directory. It takes two seconds, and we need you to do that so that you're you're allowing us permission to list you in our directory. And then from there, you'll be notified of all of our vendor events, um, any of our educational programming coming up, any um, grant opportunities that become available. Um, we are here to support you. We advocate on a policy legislative level towards racial equity in small businesses. And we're also launching a racial wealth gap fund soon to provide direct grants to business owners of, of color. So get on our list, go to our website. We want to help you. We want to amplify you and we want to support you. You'll be a featured speaker at the TED Talks in Provincetown, yes. June 17th at 7 p.m. And tickets are available at TED.com. Thank you very much. One more thing. One more thing. We have a spoken word event coming up this Saturday. It's a collaboration between Polyphonic Studios and the Core July Artist Gallery and Amplify POC, Rachel Devaney, Tamora Israel, and Maureen uh, Morgan Peters, Zig Peters. And it's this Saturday on the Village Green in Hyannis from 12 noon to 5 p.m. There'll be Amplify vendors and spoken word artists. And it'll be a, a day for all of us to come together in community and heal from all of these tragedies that are going on. Thank you so much, Tara Vargas Wallace, for joining us today. You've been listening to Healing Wisdom at Outermost Radio. All of our shows are podcasts at WOMR.org. Also check out HealingWisdomRadioShow.com and contact me at Pandora at WOMR.org.